1: Welcome to the Mississippi Arts Hour on MPB Think Radio, where each week we talk to a different creative Mississippian. I'm your host, Leslie Barker, Arts-Based Community Development Director at the Mississippi Arts Commission. And today, I'm speaking with musician Adam Collier. Adam is also known as AJC, (laughs) AJC of AJC and the Envelope Pushers, and AJC the DJ. So welcome, Adam. (laughs) Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. So you do a lot of things. You wear a lot of hats. I do. So before we like launch into everything, tell us what what your life looks like as a creative person. What, what all do you do if you <laughs> oh can, if you can God. go there?
0: Well, um, what I'm currently working on is I'm a I'm a I'm a, a DJ. I'm a karaoke DJ. Um, I'm working on acting. I'm also writing the lyrics for my new album, so I'm a writer. Um, I am. Kind of a producer when it comes to it because I'm more hand i'm I'm gonna be more hands on with this record. So I'll actually be pressing more buttons and playing more songs. And some songs may even be just with vocals. um and I'm kind of a dancer too. So it just I do a lot of stuff. <laughs> just I do you know, I do what I have to do when I have to do it. <laughs> so you know i'm I'm a chameleon in a sense, but it all revolves around like mastering. Just my artistry just kind of inside of me and just bringing that forward. So.
1: And that's not to mention your day job. Oh, yeah.
0: Which is, what is that? And tourism. I and am tourism. A, yeah, tourism for the state of Mississippi. I am the program manager for all the welcome centers in the state. <laughs> for the whole state. Yes, for the entire state. Yes, I manage all 13 welcome centers. I am, because my background is in accounting, so I make sure all the bills are paid.
1: All right. Okay. So, full days. Lots to do. No boredom here. Mm -hmm. So, uh, let's go back to the beginning. Mm -hmm. And clearly, music is the center of all of this. Mm -hmm. How did that start?
0: Honestly, I'm thinking it it really started, like, with my grandma and church. My grandma Mm -hmm. being a church singer, and then my dad being a pastor, and him being a singer. Like, When he would go to church, they wanted to hear him preach, but they were like, also, I mean, you're not going to sing today, you know, like that type of thing. And just become coming from a a family of just Mm. singers. We didn't have really any writers in the family. So Mm. besides music. My first love was actually writing before it was actually music. Like, I would walk through the house, and I would see these weird, like, composition books that my <laughs> brother's girlfriend would have. And I and they'd be like, they'd talk about English and how you write and these literature and, you know, different things. And as, like, a five-year-old, I would see these books, and I was like, I would just be so intrigued by this book. Like, I want to do, I want to write. That's what I would think. So writing became Poetry, poetry became storytelling, and Mm storytelling became songwriting. And that's, and then I started turning them into like actual songs and creating more of a theatrical sense. Like, that's why my music has these twists and turns in some of the songs because when I perform it, I'm, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm acting. You know, it's kind of like, welcome to Broadway, you know, kind of situation.
1: (laughs) So, so. Adam and AJC, are they, is there, a di- like, do you take on a different character?
0: No, it's, honestly, they're the they're the it's same. All you? They're you? The, it's all me. It's just which side of me do I want to show or do I need to show mm-hmm. on a particular day? Depending on if you're doing a wedding, you may want to do something different. If it's my show, I'm going to be very high energy very no holes barred like I'm uncensored. And, you know, so it just depends on the environment more so towards my audience. What's my audience and whatever my audience is is how I react. Mm-hmm.
1: So who are some of your first audiences? Where, well, tell us where you grew up, actually, and then tell us about how, where you found your first audiences. Well,
0: okay, so I grew up in Brandon, Mississippi. Okay. So um, I'm, a, I'm a, actually a country boy. So my my grandfather was a farmer. So, like, out of my back window, if I throw a rock, I can literally hit a barn. So Even like, now today? Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, like, cows and chickens. And my dad used to have to go gather the eggs, and the chicken snakes would be in there. And it's just all, oh, yeah, that type of stuff. So,
1: you had farm animals as an audience yes. from the beginning. <laughs> uh, yes, yes.
0: Um, so, my first audience really wasn't until probably about middle school. And mm-hmm. that were, those were just my classmates. They, we would have uh, sing-offs, and so there would be me and two or three other people, and we'd just, whatever song popped in our head, we'd sing a verse of it. And then, you know, I'd sing a verse of it, and he'd sing a verse of it, and then we'd switch songs, and then he'd sing a verse of this. And I, you know, so those were my first kind of audiences that kind of got me ready for, you know, just, I was ready to perform every day. When we hit the gym, you didn't, like, everybody wants to hear, you know, they want to hear the singers sing. So all the singers had to be prepared. Like, we'd had to ha- we would had to have some songs, like, in our head ready. So whatever I heard on the radio that day on the way to school is kind of what I would sing.
1: Do you have any memories of what the songs were? I just want to know what the songs were. <laughs>
0: I would sing anything from Anita Baker to Luther Vandross uh, every once in a while. We'd throw some Temptations out there, some Tyrese Gibson, you know, Joe, like art, like a lot of like soul and R&B is what my dad kind of played for me when I was growing up. Like, even though he was a pastor, we didn't listen to a ton of gospel mm-hmm. music. He played me Prince. And Michael Jackson and Marvin Gaye. And, like, he played me all the good stuff.
1: <laughs> I mean, you got the classics in. Or like, so you're, like, educating your middle school friends. Yeah. So you did that at school. Did Did you sing at church? You mentioned, you know, singing yes, at church. Yes,
0: I would, Uh, like, when my dad would pastor, like, I would always, like, he'd bring me up, like, either right before his sermon or right after his sermon. He even did that up until the day he died, like, the the sun- I didn't sing the Sunday he died, but that Sunday before mm-hmm. right after he finished his uh sermon, he called me up and you know, and I would always close out you mm-hmm. know his his sermon, you know opening the is there anyone that wants to come and be you know and I'd be singing, so mm-hmm. you know that you know all these different type of audiences growing up is kind of what I ran into you run into. You know, your peers, which Mm. are harder to actually satisfy than anything else. But from middle school all the way through high school, like a six or seven year stretch, I was known as this guy does music. Like I was known as that, like nobody ever questioned if I could sing or if I could rap. Nobody questioned it.
1: (laughs) if you can get a middle school audience. To like to go there with you, you're set. Like you can get any audience. <laughs> so, so especially when you are a middle school. <laughs> yes. Rest. So yes. Uh, so so you were singing, you were rapping. So how would you describe your style?
0: That's a good question. Um, I don't honestly. I've never actually really gave it a ton of thought. Like what my particular style is. I think that art itself grows with you. So it's just like um, it's just like hip hop. If you take hip-hop from the 80s and you take it today, mm-hmm. it's maturing. Mm-hmm. And it, the reason it matures is because it's so, it's still new. I mean, it was born in the 80s. So, like, I was born in the 80s. It's still new. Like, we don't know where hip-hop can actually go mm-hmm. because... It's only been around for 30-some odd years. Like it like we don't know what it can do. Like maybe 40 years at the most. So it's still fairly young. It it, it hadn't even reached, you know, 50.
1: <laughs> not even, yeah, it's 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 not really middle aged. So, so yeah, so there. so
0: I think about my art as it relates to that and it's growing <laughs> and I think it has the potential to grow infinitely if I let it. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of times, even in my career, I've had these lulls where I don't think it was really a lull. It was more like self-imposed mm-hmm. because I probably could have wrote if I really, really wanted to. I probably could have you know, made this album if I really, really wanted to. And there were times I did, but I wouldn't share it with the public. So mm-hmm. like doing all that and just saying that, it's kind of like your style is whatever it is at the time. Sometimes if you're listening to another artist too much, you may actually end up that some of that may seep in. I mean, there were times that I was listening to I heard a Whitney Houston song when I was when I was doing my first album. And that inspired the ending of my song, Hands in the Air, which is a more of a Caribbean reggae ska type song. Of course, Whitney Houston doesn't do that type of music, but it influenced, it brought something out of me and what was in me was that style. But she hit this note and I was like, oh my God,
1: like I got it. Like, you know. (laughs) That's one of my favorite things about art is how it influences other art. Mm -hmm. I'm Leslie Barker with the Mississippi Arts Commission and today I'm talking with my guest Adam Collier. So, so Adam tell us about your band.
0: <laughs> the Envelope Pushers, man, we have uh, we have had a ton of members over the years. The uh, there's actually I'm the only member that actually is, and that's probably because I started the band. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm the, actually the only member that still exists from the original group. Um, but I started them with I wanted to I just wanted to do something different. There were a ton of bands that were performing but their music sounded very similar. It was, um, and there's nothing against certain genres, but certain genres are like, if everybody's doing the same genre, then, you know, then that kind of kills the variety is the spice of life type situation. Mm-hmm. So what I wanted to do was give them some of what they were getting and a whole bunch of what they weren't getting. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of like, I wanted to say, okay, we can do what you do, But we also want to do this over Mm. here because it's just so different. We wanted to bring energy to the scene. So the shows were all about – the envelope pushers were all about high energy and consciousness. Consciousness is something that a lot of artists were giving you, but they weren't giving you any energy to go along with it. Mm. So if you really wanted people to pay attention, you're giving them something, but you're also Mm. kind of lulling them to sleep because you're not giving them these little pinches of energy, Mm. you know, that that they kind of need to, Mm. you know – You can learn and dance, like, and sometimes if you're dancing, you don't even realize you're learning. Like it's 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 that kind of thing. So that's we wanted to make sure we educated at a high at a high energetic level. So that's why I built the band. So we would do. When we first started off, we didn't even do any covers. Like, we wouldn't do any covers. Mm-hmm. We would do all original music. Later on, as we got into the scene, we realized, okay, we're, we're going to have to do some covers. But even when we did covers, we were like, we're going to do a Stevie Wonder song, but we're not going to do it like Stevie Wonder did it. Like, mm-hmm. we're going to do it like we do it. We're going to speed the BPM up, and mm-hmm. we're going to do a bunch of James Brown hits in it or something like
1: that. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> that's awesome (laughs) we're actually going to listen to a song from your album Fallen Star." is there anything you want to tell us about the album
0: oh man that album was my baby um that was a it took me 10 years to write that album oh wow um The the 10 songs that are on it are not all the original songs from Mm. all the 10 songs. Because, of course, over 10 years, you write a lot of songs. So there are songs that I'll be putting out as the years go on that actually were written for Fallen Star that I didn't want the album to be too diverse. Mm. So I toned it down a little bit as a introduction of, hey, this is who I am, but I don't want to, like, overstimulate you guys too much with (laughs) all this, like, oh my God, it's 20 songs (laughs) already, you know, so I decided to tone it back a little bit, so my next album will have bits, Fallen Star will always be in bits and pieces of every album that I make from here on out, because I wrote so much music during that time, because I probably wrote a hundred songs for that record, and then it ended up with, it was supposed to end up with nine. We were sitting in the studio one day and Trey Pepper, one of the, um, the main producers, was like, man, we need another song. And we were taught, I was telling him, oh man, I'm listening to this great group. And we started playing that group's music and something else. And we kind of got our wires crossed and he ended up producing something that was nothing like I was going to use for this <laughs> album. And we just put it as the last song and I just wrote it anyway. I was <laughs> like, you know what, let's just put it on the record. <laughs>
1: This is Leslie Barker. Thanks for listening to the podcast version of the Mississippi Arts Hour. The show airs on MPB Think Radio every Sunday afternoon at five. To access all of our past shows, subscribe to the Mississippi Arts Hour podcast using your favorite podcasting app. You're listening to the Mississippi Arts Hour on MPB Think Radio. I'm Leslie Barker, and today I'm talking with Jackson-based musician and DJ Adam Collier. Tell us about you as a DJ. (laughs)
0: Um, it's funny. I was, uh, I was doing a show this past weekend and I was talking to one of the dancers and that she had never met me before. And I was like, oh yeah, I can, you know, if you need me to do that dance move, I can do it. And I was like, you know, I'm known as Adam, the dancing DJ. And I didn't give myself that title because it sounds corny to me, but it actually <laughs> sticks because I get behind my DJ tables and i start the song and I immediately run from behind the table and run to the dance floor and I've got my mic in my hand. And it's kind of like, even though I'm DJing, I'm performing the whole time because I'm dancing and I'm pulling. I'm, there's people sitting in their chairs and I'm pulling them up and I'm like, <laughs> oh, you got to dance. And I'm twisting this girl on the dance floor and grabbing this guy. and be like, OK, you two dance together and let me go get another couple. And, you know, that's that's DJing. DJing for me is more or less about it's not about playing the music, but it's about the entertainment aspect of mm-hmm. the music. You can always tell people you can get anybody to play music. You can play music off your phone. But you can't get just anybody to make it fun when you're playing the music. And that's my job as a DJ. It is to make it fun and just, oh, my God. I remember, you know, when I play Chris Stapleton. Whenever I play Chris Stapleton, it's funny because Chris Stapleton is a slower song. So on my slower songs, I always sing them. Like, the audience doesn't always know I'm singing. But like Tennessee whiskey, those are Chris Stapleton's vocals. I am singing that live. I'm on the dance floor. That's why they don't notice because I'm dancing with.
1: Somebody. This is a busy season for <laughs> DJ season. Oh yeah. What What does that look like? Where do you DJ?
0: Pretty much anywhere they'll call me. As long as as long I tell people I will drive within 15 to 16 hours. So that really, yes. Yeah, so that gives me a lot of leeway. If you want me to come to Washington, uh, the D the DMV. If you want me to come that way. If you want me to just come to New Orleans. If you want me to come down through Florida into Orlando, like that gives me a lot of leeway. The only place that it's harder for me to touch is the West Coast. But I was flown to the West Coast, probably about five or six years ago to sing one song and dance.
1: Okay, <laughs> one. What was the song?
0: Uh, it was. It was an original song.
1: Okay, that's really good. So you (laughs) were flown all the way to the West Coast to sing an original song. It was an
0: original original song. Um, We are thinking about putting it out because it's a song made specifically for weddings that I wrote. When they called me about it, they were like, we want want Adam to sing. And they had never heard the song before the wedding. So they trusted me enough to say, okay, he's going to do an original song. So we created the track because the the song didn't have a track to it. It was just mute. It was just like lyrics. So me and Terrence Evans go, and we create this track real quick. And then I'm on a plane, Arizona.
1: Is that the farthest you've gone to, to that, do?
0: That is the furthest I've gone to do music. Like I've been in L. A., mm-hmm. but that's the furthest I've gone to actually perform. Because when I go to L. A., like I'll. Um, My publishing company is ASCAP, so I'll go to, like, the ASCAP conference and different things like that to meet other musicians Mm -hmm. from around the world and discuss, like, how we make music and collaborations and different Mm -hmm. things. And some of my best friends that do music are in L.A. Oh, okay. um, Because they, you know, they're they're freaking awesome (laughs) And, and, you know... And they just know what they're doing. And I'm like, oh, my God, I listen to, I'm like a fan of theirs. And they're listening to my music. And they're like, oh,
1: we love your music. I'm like, I love your music. You know, that kind of thing. So That's the best. Just like, you know, the camaraderie of, mm-hmm. of artists. Mm-hmm. So you're DJing a lot right now. You also had a really interesting past weekend. <laughs> so tell us about that.
0: <laughs> so um, I do a show in Jackson uh, that is called Covered. And during covered, we sing, of course, it's called covered, so we do covered songs, and it's not with the it's not with the envelope pushers at all. There's a whole band that was put together specifically to do shows so that we can donate money to charities. Mm. so they always call me in um I've been Sam Cook at one show. I think I was Michael Jackson at one show. Um, It just depends. I'll be the Beatles at the next show. I'll be like one of the Beatles at the next show. A lady saw me at the show that does a lot of like pageants. So she calls the guy that runs those shows and she's like, we need Adam. Like we need, we need his information. We need him to come and we need him to be Elvis. (laughs) So, so what will get you about this show is I was not just Elvis. My first in the pageant, I was Willy Wonka first.
1: Oh, you were Willy Wonka and Elvis. I was Willy Wonka oh, first,
0: wow. and then I switched outfits. Then I was Elvis. Then I was the <laughs> great. Then I was the greatest showman.
1: Oh wow! <laughs> did you get to keep all the outfits?
0: Yes, um, I did get to keep them all. Um, I did not keep the greatest showman just because I was like, I don't know what the heck I'm going to do with this jacket, but because I, <laughs> I mean, I was like, what, like when am I going to ever have to wear this? So I gave, I gave them the shirt, the scarf, and the, in the, you know, the jacket. Cause, but I kept my Elvis suit. My Elvis suit, yeah.
1: I love that like so you got the Elvis suit and and Willy Wonka and of the three of those you're like I don't know what to do with the greater showman but Elvis and Willy Wonka got that got it okay so yeah so if you need an Elvis uh, an Elvis or Willy Wonka Adam Collier has it (laughs) covered. That's amazing. (laughs) So I love that. I love that. That was so much fun. So did you have fun playing Elvis? Oh, my
0: God. I had so much fun. Well, you know, Elvis sings in like this really, like, because I was doing a little, so he sings, a little less conversation. Like, he's got that low thing going. So... The audience is like. I turn around to the audience and I'm singing it. And I'm singing in this really deep voice, and they're like, "Oh my god!" And then all of a sudden, the second verse comes, and I go up like five octaves. And they're like, "What?" <laughs> and is they're this? like,
1: "Oh my god!"
0: <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like sliding on the floor. <laughs> yeah, it's. It was uh. It was it was fun. Like I've always wanted to to do something that was more on the theatrical level, mm-hmm. uh, something similar to Broadway, um, because like. The Macy's, um, the Macy's parade, the Thanksgiving parade is like my thing. Like I'm like up early in the morning. I'm waiting on that because I'm I want to hear the singers. I want to hear like all the Broadway musical people do their thing. So like this was like kind of my part that I could you know that I could do. Like it was my time. I was like yes. That's
1: you know? awesome. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> we have a mutual friend who told me that once he saw you perform, and you literally connected, like, from the stage, named every single person Mm -hmm. in the audience. (laughs) So, audience is clearly, like, super important to you, which is amazing. So, talk about that. What does the audience mean to you? Well,
0: a lot of times, like, you you get to meet, like, my marketing is very different than most artists. Mm. The way I market is person-to-person marketing. Mm. So, it's very personal for me to actually meet these people. And I'm telling them about this show. But during this conversation, I'm saying, hey, I want you to come to the show. But I'm also talking to them about, hey, what do you have going on? Like, are you an artist? Do you have something going on? Is there something I can help you with? Because, yeah, I want you to come to my show. But I'm also, I'm building relationships as it goes on. So there have been times that, yeah, I'm at a show and I may have, you know, 100 or 200 people may show up, but out of those people, there may have been 50 people that I personally had talked to, and they came, and I'm like, you know what? I'm so appreciative for you guys, not just randomly coming here, but like I asked you, and you actually took the time to see, even if you hadn't heard my music, you thought enough of our five- or ten-minute conversation. (laughs) to pay to come to a show or drive or travel. So I feel like it's I'm I'm obligated to like be on stage and shout all fifty of you out. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> like I just I feel that way. So and I am from my high school days I was known as like we freestyle. Mm -hmm. So freestyle means you give us a topic or you give us a person and we just we started rapping about it. Mm -hmm. So the same thing that you see when you go to New Orleans. You see those, you see those guys standing on the block and they're just and they're rapping. And a guy walks by in some cool shoes and he's like, Yeah, dude, cool shoes, blue, blah. You know, he's like, he's just saying everything and every all about the outfit and about the girl he's with and all this, Mm -hmm. and he's like, have a nice day. You know, he's doing all that stuff. I grew up doing that. I was I was doing that long before I ever even had stepped foot in New Orleans.
1: Hearing you talk about that makes me think about just the just the beauty of the inner like the in the exchange between mm-hmm. a performer and a live audience. Mm-hmm. And we've been without that for mm-hmm. like oh yeah a year. A year. You know, yep, I mean, yeah. we've you know we've replaced that live interaction, whatever it may be, whether it's you know. A, a, music or a play or whatever it is mm-hmm. we've traded that for screens
0: <laughs> which is very weird yeah. yeah yeah i didn't i didn't know like so i was in the house i didn't like like most some artists like kind of fell into like sort of a touch of depression that wasn't me mm-hmm. But I was kind of like, when is this gonna end and what do I do? And but I also saw it weirdly as a blessing because during that time, I think I wrote like 40 or 50 songs during that time. So I started working on my next album and I started doing I started kind of tapping more into the production. Mm -hmm. So when I would, you know, I would. I would be typing stuff into the computer, but I'd also be like, I'd have my music board there and I'd be playing songs and different things. And I'm not an actual musician, musician in the sense of you give me a key and all that. No, I'm like pecking it out. Like, I'm, you know, I'm, you know, I'm trying my best. And it just kind of turns into something really, really cool because I do have a ton of producers and musicians around me. One of the best things came out of all of this, I was doing a recording and I sung the entire song in Spanish. And nobody had ever heard me sing in Spanish before or writing. I remember a computer guy was doing some work on my computer and he said he said, oh, I'm just going to throw, I'm going to put all this in the garbage or whatever, you know, the garbage and delete it off the computer. And he said, he was looking at it, he said, holy crap, that's Spanish writing in Spanish. (laughs) I have been watching Selena, and one thing that I realized is you have to have like a child's mind when you're getting ready to learn something or even another language. Mm -hmm. And as a child, she didn't know Spanish at all, Mm -hmm. but she could sing it. So my thing about music is if I can sing it, then I can learn it. So I started learning Spanish songs so that eventually i would be able to write it i would be able to speak it because you know that's that's kind of how it goes so like when black eyed peas was working with i think it was Jay balvin and they came out with the um the song called ritmo and it was for um bad boys 2. Hmm. this is the rhythm rhythm that yeah. song oh yeah i could say that whole i could yeah nothing like i could say that whole Jay balvin verse like <laughs>
1: So you're like, give me a Spanish song and I got you. Yeah, that's and funny that's
0: enough, funny. somebody just called two weeks ago and said, Hey, like, we were wondering if you could sing a Spanish song at our wedding. Oh heck yeah, I got you. Now I'm comfortable with it. So I'm like, Yeah, give me a span. Once I get comfortable with that, I'm pretty sure French will follow. So let's go.
1: That's awesome. That's amazing. So we're actually gonna listen to another one of your songs. And this one I want us to talk about a little bit before we before we dive into it. My City. Tell us about My
0: City. Oh, man. My City was the song for the city of Jackson. You know, I was thinking about Memphis. I was thinking about New Orleans. I was thinking about Mississippi. I was like, okay, we influence all these places. But the way that everyone looks at it is they don't come to Mississippi like even though Mississippi may be the birthplace of what do they call it? American music. Even though we may be the birthplace, I don't think people actually they they see that mm-hmm. and they hear that, but they don't. It it just doesn't like mm-hmm. it doesn't like quantify in their head like mm-hmm. that that that's real. Mm-hmm. So the way I looked at it was we need to make sure that I put enough in this to let them know that this is not just what Jackson is, but this is what kind of what Mississippi mm-hmm. is. So the horns were unnecessary because you can't think you you don't. Most people think about the blues and different things like that, which is like more your guitar and your piano-based things. But a lot of times, black when rhythm and blues was a really big thing, mm-hmm. horns were the thing. Like <laughs> you had a horn line, like and it's just somewhere along the along the way, like they just kind of forgot mm-hmm. about. The jazzy part of rhythm and blues, like they forgot all about that, you know. So I was like, "Oh no, we gotta, That's we gotta awesome. make sure that we give them the full, you know, DNA aces- uh, ancestry, uh, you that. know, on that. how Jackson and Mississippi works That's Like, awesome. no, like we're groovy." <laughs>
1: is leslie barker thanks for listening to the podcast version of the mississippi arts hour the show airs on mpb think radio every sunday afternoon at five to access all of our past shows subscribe to the mississippi arts hour podcast using your favorite podcasting app You're listening to the Mississippi Arts Hour on MPB Think Radio. I'm Leslie Barker from the Mississippi Arts Commission, and I'm speaking with Jackson's Adam Collier. My City, a song you wrote for the city of Jackson, also has a video. Mm -hmm. And you you were telling me that you love this video. Tell us about the video.
0: Oh, my God. So the video matches my personality to a T because... It is all about me running around town, going to different bars, different <laughs> festivals, and talking to people that like that's <laughs> that's what I do, like touching and agree the same way that I would market a show is the same way we filmed this music video. It's like me just going around, meeting different people, having fun with different people, having drinks with different people, eating with different people, like, and going to museums and just, like, all the all the different things that I would do on a regular day is pretty w- much what my city is. Like, none of the music video was not true all the way down to the skydiving part because when we did the skydiving part... I came up with that idea. I was like, you know what? We should go skydiving, and I should sing the lyrics when I jump out the... So that's why we did that scene, because I was like, we should go skydiving. Was it fun? Oh, my God. Best experience ever. Really? Best experience. You've never felt freedom unless you've been skydiving.
1: Wow. That's so cool. And and you really... I've, se- I've seen the video. It's awesome. There are so many places in it. Yeah. How yeah. long did it take you to hit? Do you know how many places are in it?
0: I think it was... uh, I think we cut a few out, but it was somewhere around 200.
1: Really? (laughs) How long did that take?
0: That took... I mean, it took us a few months of, like, constantly filming. Because, you know, you film way more than you need. So, I mean, we probably... Let's just say we had 20 or 30 hours of film. Wow. And we had to figure out how to cut that down to, like, four or five minutes.
1: (laughs) So, other than the skydiving, did you have or do you have any just favorite places in Jackson that ended up in the video?
0: My I'm trying to think I more or less it was more for me about just the experience mm-hmm. of filming it all. Uh some places we went to like when we were doing the mural sections, those were like my favorite because mm-hmm. like it was all about seeking out different art in Jackson. That was Easily accessible where we could just kind of walk. I could walk in front of it and I was dancing in front of it, of course. Like I did my little dance moves all (laughs) through the video and which I made up. I didn't I was just doing something. And um, so, I mean, those were my those skydiving and mainly the murals, like seeing Mm -hmm. the artwork was like my favorite because I took a ton of pictures that I that I never like used, but I would always like go through them and just kind of look at them and be like, "Oh, look at this cool piece of art I was in front <laughs> of! Like, you know, this is awesome."
1: <laughs> well, we love public art here at the Mississippi <laughs> Arts Commission, yes, so that's do. awesome. Um, so I, you know, we talked a little bit about how you <clears throat> how you wrote the song, but just tell us about your writing process in general. <laughs> Where does the music come from?
0: Okay, so. It can come from a it can come from a bevy of places. Um, most recently, and I'll go back. Most recently, when I when I'm doing music, it comes from what I'm watching on TV. Mm. So I'll be watching something like I'm watching Marvel's the Loki series, and when the show goes off, it has this crazy string with these hard hitting like it's just da, 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 like it's just all this cool stuff going on. I'll not be thinking, and I'll just hear it. And mm. then once I hear it, all of a sudden, something from that little, like, string mm. section gets stuck in my head. And I'm like, "Huh, oh, that sounds like something. And I'll be like, okay, do I want to <laughs> sing to this? Do I want to speak over it? Do I want to rap to And, you know, I'll just grab my recorder. And that's how the songs start nowadays. Before, I used to kind of be on YouTube, and I'd just be listening to different tracks. Mm. But the tracks themselves because I have a full band, tracks have to be manipulated. Mm-hmm. So when I would hear them, I'd be like, oh, that's a cool, I'd come up with a, more of a concept based off a track I'd heard, but then I'd just turn the music off and just start writing, like, mm-hmm. without it. And then I'd be like, oh, you know what would be cool if the music note did this or if it changed octaves or if it had changed keys. And by the by the end of it, it sounds nothing like where mm-hmm. it first started. Um, but I think one of the main things that trip people out about, like, how my some of my writing process is writing multiple songs at the same time oh like i think that is that's one of my coolest things my coolest story is one day i was writing five songs and i was writing them at the same time so i would be writing and i'd be grooving And I'd have like this kind of cadence in my head, and I'd be like, you know what, this line goes here, and then I'd go to another song, and this line goes here. But none of the songs were about the same thing. I'd be writing a love song, and a regular rap song, and a poem, and something, you know, I just and just Mm. I was so into my art. I think my mentor Seely McInnes would call it. He says it's when you're he said it's when you're in the song mm. so it's like you're writing the song mm-hmm. from the inside and mm. once you're doing that it's kind of like you're you're these all these canvases are around you and you're just doing like this in a circle and you're just writing and you're just you're painting and you're writing and you and you're not really oh, thinking about what you're doing and then when you're when everything's done you look back and you're like the hell did all this come from? Like, okay, this, oh man, this is a cool song. Oh, this is a cool song. Look at this poem. I was sad today. I didn't even know I was sad today. Okay. You know, like you're just letting all your emotion just kind of spill out at once. And it seems weird and it seems ridiculous, but if you can open your mind long enough to just let everything Mm -hmm. just kind of pour out, that's what you get. You get a culmination Mm -hmm. of different emotions and different styles of music all at once. Mm -hmm. And it seems crazy. That's but, amazing. You know.
1: <laughs> you know. All the songs at once. That's yeah. what I always think of like those moments where just, cause I, I love to write, but I always think of those moments where it's like, it feels like it comes through you and not from you. Yes. You know?
0: That's that's a perfect, that's a perfect way to say it. It comes through you. That's perfect.
1: But I love the idea of being in the song, mm-hmm. you know? Like mm-hmm. that's, that's amazing. Yeah,
0: you're writing it from the inside. Fallen Star, that song, I was in that song. Mm-hmm. Like I was in that title track uh, like, I just really felt hands in the air. I felt the same way. Hands in the air is, funny enough, hmm. it's almost a praise and worship song. Really? It's almost, it's it's right on the cusp. I'm talking, I'm I'm talking a lot of spiritual stuff that you don't even hear in the song. Hmm. Like, put your hands on the level of heaven, keep them away from the devil, and never buy what he's selling. Trust me, it's fire. I'm talking about the devil. I'm like, oh, stay away <laughs> from
1: that guy. He's not a good guy. Like, <laughs> Were you thinking about that when you wrote it or did it just happen?
0: Some of it I was thinking about, but a lot of it just kind of happened. It just, you know, once you are, once you are writing enough, songs just happen. They, Mm. they, they practically, and I didn't understand this when I was younger, but like Songs will practically write themselves. And your job is to get out of the way of the song and let it write itself. That's Mm. your job as an artist. No matter how weird the song is getting, Mm. let the song go where it's going (laughs) because it's taking you on a journey. Mm. And if you're writing it from your subconscious, which is where you're probably writing it from, your subconscious is way smarter than your conscious will ever Mm. be because your subconscious is harboring Wait, it's just harboring everything that you've ever seen in your life. If you saw a French if you heard a French phrase consciously you forgot about it your subconscious it's got it It's like, <laughs> oh my God, wait till I put this in this song like you're so you have to if you can figure out how to let your subconscious write it which is a cool thing. I write songs in my dreams sometimes. Really? And I have to get up and hurry up before I forget the song cuz you know you forget your dreams when you wake up. I have to hurry up and get to the phone before I forget what I'm writing, you know, like in my head in my sleep. Like the song will be so good and I'm like, "Man, this is a great artist." Hope it's me.
1: I gotta just sound. <laughs> I gotta sound.
0: <laughs> That's what. Happens. Does it wake you up before yes. it happens? It wakes me up. There'll be times sometimes where I won't get up and I will feel horrible for the rest of the day because I did not get up. Mm-hmm. And I'll think if I just say it in my head for like five minutes, like because I'm kind of awake, I'll remember it. Then I go back to sleep and I wake up like an hour later. I'm like, what was that song again? Like, I can't remember it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Every, so, if I'm writing something and I think and I don't write it down, when I, it's gone. Like mm-hmm. I'm like, I'll remember. Mm-hmm. No, never, never, mm-hmm. ever.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But that's that's amazing. Writing songs in your dreams. So what are you working on right now?
0: Right now, currently I am I'm working on Heaven Can Wait, the um the the second installment in the Fallen Star series, um, which is I came up with the title because uh, when my dad passed, it's kind of where the title sprung mm-hmm. from. Because it's kind of like, okay, well, you want your, you, you know, he's he's going to heaven, but you also want him here, so heaven can wait. Like that's mm-hmm. kind of how I felt. But it's also like a double meaning because mm-hmm. it also means that. Like on the on the cover, like you have me in a casket and what's actually happening is because he died, it's like a part of me has died, but there's kind of this rebirth thing kind of going on at the same time because like I'm having to recalibrate for a life without him. And it's like, well, now that I have to do that, I think that my art is going to grow more because like you have to you have to think like pain is not always like a bad thing. Like, sometimes, like, the pain, like, you need it. Sometimes Mm. it's just one of those things. And, you know, uh, everybody hasn't lost their parents or Mm. their father or their mother or anything. It's a different different experience, you know, to have to go through that. So Heaven Can Wait kind of opened the door emotionally for me to talk about things Mm. in music that I wouldn't normally talk about. Whether Because I talk about my dad a little bit, but I talk about way more in the record that kind of hits home for me. Things that I may have gone through that I never really wanted to address. I started addressing things because you realize that life is very short. Because now you're gaining this new perspective that even though you feel like your dad is Superman, that Superman is actually just the man that's going to leave. And you're also going to leave here. So what do you want to leave behind like what legacy of music mm-hmm. do you want to leave behind and that's when I started working on that album
1: how did i guess kind of tapping into that vulnerability which it sounds like how did that change your music
0: <laughs> oh my god well it it made me less it made me it made me care less about what everybody's going to say about the music mm-hmm. because i had tapped into something that was so deep and meant so much to me that I stopped worrying about, oh, man, how are they going to receive this song? Should I say this cuss word here? Oh, my God. What is, what is my grandma got to say? <laughs> you know? So I kind of stopped worrying about those parts and worried about just put yourself out there. Because this record, I'm not necessarily putting myself out there for regular display. I'm putting myself out there because I feel like these are emotions I need to get out that because mm-hmm. if i don't get these out of the way i may not be able to make the record that's coming after it that could be way better sunshine and rainbows but i got to get through these like these small stormy parts and also let go of some things that i may have been harboring mm-hmm. over the years so you know mm-hmm. it's you know it's all about growth and you know you hit this i hit that stalemate between fallen star and leading into this album and I wrote a lot of records, but I just wasn't ready to put them out. But then when this title came up, I was like, I got it. I was like, mm. this one's it's the same way that Fallen Star kind of just fell in my lap. Like, throughout the 10-year experience, I tried to name the album a lot of different things, but Fallen Star kept being mm. what I, you know, I just kept going. I was like, man, Fallen Star, I was, just kept going back to that. I was like, <laughs> okay, that's it. We'll just call it Fallen Star. Forget it.
1: <laughs> they found
0: you. Yeah. Found you. <laughs>
1: Well, we're actually—I can't believe this—we're almost out of time. So before we run out of time, tell us where people can find your music.
0: You can find my music by going. Well, you can find it on YouTube. If you go to YouTube and type in AJC and the Envelope Pushers, um, word can be A and D, or you can type in the the symbol. You can you can type that in iTunes. You can type that in Spotify. You can type that in every. It's in like. 300 stores so you can only, you, yeah, you can find it but you know definitely YouTube is one of the best because it'll probably pull up a couple of those really cool music videos the my city music video and the fallen star music video which is like it's like a short film it's eight minutes long oh very cool so it's it's cool I die in the end it's funny like <laughs> spoiler
1: spoiler alert on this video and if someone needs a DJ how do they get in touch with you
0: same way. Same way. If you right. if you type in AJC and the envelope pushers for our website, that will pull up. That'll pull up everything that you need to know if you want to book the band for a wedding, if you want to book the DJ, if you want karaoke, whatever. One stop shop. Oh yeah, it's all there. Well, everything you need. <laughs> Lighting.
1: <laughs> well, thank you so much for being here, and to our listeners, thank you for joining us. This is Leslie Barker. Thanks for listening to the podcast version of the Mississippi Arts Hour. The show airs on NPB Think Radio every Sunday afternoon at 5. To access all of our past shows, subscribe to the Mississippi Arts Hour podcast using your favorite podcasting app.